The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. going to jump straight into the word and if you're holding your bible you may want to hold it up lift it up real high like we always do and shout this is my bible i believe what it says i am i can do what it says i can do i am a believer and not a doubter a doer not just a hearer today i'll learn from god's word and my life never be the same because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So the Bible, you know, just this week, uh, so many things have been happening. And uh, I got the privilege and the opportunity to go and minister to the staff at World Vision on Monday. And so while I was there, and I think on Sunday as well, we had the privilege and opportunity to read uh, Isaiah 60 from verse 1 to 3. And I believe that's our Rema word uh, for, for, for such a time as this. Scripture says in Isaiah uh, 60 from verse 1 to 3, Arise and shine, for the light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. Primarily, he was talking to uh, the people in the city of Jerusalem, but how many of you know that Galatians 4.26 says, We are also citizens of our heavenly Jerusalem. So he is ultimately uh, talking to uh, you and I as New Testament believers and uh, the, the, the instruction we get from the Lord in such a time as this is to arise and shine. And he goes on to say in verse 2, For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth. Man, we're in a time where darkness is covering the earth. And we're going to touch on some of those things. Uh, uh, darkness in the sense of, you know, just fear, anxiety, uh, ignorance, and so on and so forth. And he says, gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to the light, and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. Man, this is a powerful uh, uh, passage of scripture. Uh, it's talking about us, you know, as children of God, shining uh, the light of God to a dark world. The world is really dark right now. Everyone is in panic mode. Everyone is in worry mode. Uh, but not children of God. We don't get panicked. We don't get worried because Jesus said in this world we will suffer tribulation, but we can be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. So in the midst of a storm, we can find peace. In the midst of a storm, we can find a peace of God uh, that surpasses all understanding, a peace of God that beyond, goes beyond scientific fact. Man, as a pastor, I've had the privilege and opportunity to pray for all kinds of people. I've prayed for people who had bad, terrible news to where science was informing them that there's nothing more they can do for them. But we've seen the power of God come through for people even in the midst of uh, uh, things like that. And now I, I can't even uh, believe that the world is freaking out over a bug. I think it was Kali Teradis. She, she said, man, this is just a bug. You should learn to just squish it. And that's what it is. It's just, it's just a bug. We should learn to squish it. I'm not saying we should be careless and... And, and not wash our hands. You should have been washing your hands all along, amen. But I'm saying, man, you shouldn't be running around in panic and fear. 
I've been with people who have been told by doctors that you have stage four cancer. I've been with people who have been told, man, we're only giving you a few weeks to live. But even in the midst of those situations, I've seen the power of God come and reverse all of that. So you and I, if you have a well body right now, man, you have nothing to worry about. Even if you don't have a well body, if you are connected to Jesus, and you have, if you have Jesus living on the inside of you, man, you have nothing to worry about. Scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of you. you, you, you it's, it's our time to shine. It's our time to let the world see uh, that we are believers and that we are connected to God. So here scripture says, that is the darkness covers the earth. Gross darkness the people. The Lord shall arise upon us. His glory shall be seen upon us. This is powerful. You know, and I was saying in a, 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 at World Vision on Monday that, you know, when he says the glory of God shall be seen upon you, what's powerful about that is if you look at science, you know, the sun and the moon, their relationship is almost similar to the son of God and the church. Uh, when the moon is rightly positioned to where the earth is out of the way, the moon begins to reflect the light that comes from the sun. And it, it gives a full reflection of that light that's coming from the sun. And that's what God intended for the church to be. When we are fully positioned in Jesus the Christ, man, we can begin to reflect the things that are of Christ. And I can assure you that Christ is not sitting in heaven in panic right now. And so what that means is we can begin to reflect courage. We can begin to reflect hope. We can begin to, to reflect faith instead of uh, uh, all these other things. But all we have to do is to get the earth out of the way. We have to keep our minds uh, stayed on Jesus. That's what scripture says in Isaiah 26 verse 3. He says, he shall keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So when you, if you can keep your mind stayed on the Lord and not on what's going on around you, man, the fullness of that glory will begin to shine on you and it will be seen outwardly by those who will come into interaction with you. And most of them will be puzzled because they will not understand. Uh, but it's a supernatural thing, amen? And so God is calling the church to rise up. God is calling the church to shine. Man, this is our time to shine. I'm telling you, when they finally say we can go back to having service, we're not going to have enough space for people that are going to be coming to this place just to hear the good news. You know why? Because in the midst of a darkness, when the world grows into darkness, when, when it gets a little more dense in terms of darkness, that's when your light should shine the brightest. Scripture says where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. So where there is darkness, just a flick of light will make a huge, huge difference. And I'm telling you, if you could just uh, take a peep into the spiritual realm right now and look at what's really going on, man, I'm telling you, we're dealing with a defeated enemy. Satan has already been defeated. That's what the Bible says in Colossians chapter number 2, verse 15. In fact, let's read that. Uh, Colossians chapter number 2, uh, verse 15. It says that this, this enemy we are dealing with, he has already been defeated. We're going to look at a few other things and, and just kind of end uh, in, in, in Psalm 91 and remind you of the promises of God, uh, the promises that God has for you as his, as his children. And uh, it's just going to be awesome. Colossians chapter number 2 verse 15. Uh, it's talking about Jesus when he defeated the principalities in the uttermost parts of the world. It says, and having spoiled the principalities or defeated the principalities and the powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. 
Essentially, the Apostle Paul is borrowing from a Roman tradition where they would defeat a king uh, from another nation and they would bring him over to their own uh, citizens and they would literally strip him off of his royal robes. They would take off his uh, ring of authority and they would walk him down the streets, parade him naked to their citizens just to let everyone know that this king has been defeated and you have nothing to worry about. So essentially, the Apostle Paul is saying this is what Jesus did. When he defeated Satan, he, 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 he had a parade to all the Christians, all the believers, to where we witnessed that we are now dealing with a defeated force. So this virus is defeated, cancer is defeated, sickness is defeated, anxiety is defeated, and uh, uh, sin is defeated, the curse was defeated. All of it was defeated uh, at the cross. In fact, scripture says in Isaiah 14, 16, that when we... If you, if you and I could take a look at what's really going on right now, Scripture says we're going to be puzzled. It says when we ultimately get to heaven and we really see what the devil looks like, this is what the people are going to say in Isaiah 14, 16. Everyone there will stare at you. And this is not a staring of admiration. This is a staring of disdain, disbelief. And, and people will stare and say these words. Could this be the one who shook the earth? Could this be the one who made kingdoms of the world uh, tremble? Man, I'm telling you, if you could look in the spiritual realm right now, coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, is not some spiritual giant that's, you know, uh, coming over Johannesburg. It's some pitiful little uh, mice-looking animal that you should address with authority. And this is why the, the best way to address spiritual opponents is to say, get out of here. Jesus never said, oh, I want to, you know, negotiate with you to see if you could come out of this man when he was uh, uh, casting out a legion of demons into the pigs. You know the story. He didn't say that. He said, come out. He said, puma. You know, that's how you deal with a spirit that's defeated. So if you could, you and I, man, if we could just take a look at what's happening in the spiritual realm, would stand up in our authority that Jesus gave us, and we would address this spirit. In fact, we've already addressed it as a church, as a nation. I'm talking about a nation of believers, as citizens of heaven, worldwide. Man, we have already addressed it. And I remember, you know, just uh, the other day I was just in prayer, spending time with the Lord, and the Lord said to me, all you are looking at now, Tafari, is just the leaves. Some of you may remember the story uh, in the book of Mark, chapter number 11, where Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he, he, he cursed the fig tree. Scripture says uh, they only saw the results of the words that Jesus spoke on the morrow or the next day when they were coming out of Bethany. That's when they saw the, the results of what they spoke. In other words, uh, after Jesus said those words, the tree still looked uh, uh, green. It still had leaves and so on and so forth. And these are the things that we may still be dealing with uh, with regards to uh, this, this, this virus. It's just the leaves. We cursed it at the root, and it's dead. And this thing is going to be gone sooner than you think. But what I'm preaching today is not just something you should do when there's another virus that's coming. <laughs> it's something you should be doing. It's a lifestyle. It's the way you and I should be living our lives from today onwards. We should be living our lives in victory. Man, I'm telling you, we should be living our lives in victory in the marketplace. We should be living our lives in victory in our families and raising children. We should be living our lives in victory in, our, in the ministry. We should be living our lives in victory in our health. Uh, we should be living uh, our lives in victory in our prosperity. Why? Because Jesus has already defeated the enemy. Well, let's go quickly now to John chapter number 3. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Someone shout, I'm, I'm a winner, man. I'm, I'm, I'm victorious. We have a few people here uh, that made it to church. We're not going to let everyone just come in, but those that snuck in, we let them stay, and uh, we're just having a big Holy Ghost party here. Scripture says, this is Jesus speaking in John 3 from verse 14 to 16. Uh, this is Jesus uh, uh, making reference to uh, what had transpired in the Old Testament uh, in the book of Exodus and in the book of Numbers, it's recorded, uh, where, you know, the, the, there was a plague that attacked the, the children of Israel, and uh, the people started getting beaten by snakes. You know, there was a, sna uh, a plague of snakes that came into the camp and started biting people, and uh, Moses went to the Lord, and the Lord gave him an instruction. He said to Moses, I want you to make a brazen serpent and lift it up. And as you lift up that brazen serpent, give the people the instruction that whoever looks at the brazen serpent, even though they may have been beaten, shall not die, and they will live. And so Jesus is making a commentary of what transpired then. And this is what he says in verse 14. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent, you know, the, the brazen serpent uh, made out of uh, uh, copper, he says, as, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man uh, be lifted up. Before I even read further, this used to confuse me because, you know, throughout all Scripture, when you look at the serpent, you know, referenced, it's always talking about the devil. You know, the serpent in the garden, it's always talking about the devil. You know, we shall tread upon scorpions and serpents. It's always in reference to the devil. Now, you know, it really bothered me that why would uh, God, why would Jesus use a type and a shadow in the Old Testament that points to Jesus and use a serpent. It used to really bug me. Uh, and then the Lord answered me. He said to Pharaoh, the reason why I used a serpent is because when Jesus went on the cross, he became the very thing that was tormenting mankind so that he could deliver them out of it. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? So Jesus became the very thing that was tormenting you. And in this reference, what was tormenting them was snakes. So Jesus became that. And we ever looked at Jesus, we ever drew their sustenance from Jesus, we're able to uh, get a relief from it. And so Jesus said, so must the Son of Man also be lifted up on the cross. Verse 15. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And he goes on to say, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's interesting that here in verse 16, he says, Whosoever believes in him should not perish, but they're going to have uh, eternal life. And there's a misconception, I guess it's, it, it, it comes from our understanding of language that believing is just a one-time event. You know, it starts off as a one-time event where you make a commitment to say, I'm going to put my faith and my confidence and my trust in Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. But beyond that, if you look at the word in the Greek, it speaks of an ongoing trust. So it's not just a one-time belief that, you know, I believed in Jesus, and so I'm going to be all right. No, it talks about, yeah, you believing in Jesus, but you have a continued trust. And this is why here he says, whosoever shall look on the brazen serpent 
It's not a casual gaze. It's not just peeping. You know, it's not just while you're minding your own business, you just kind of, you know, look, and then you expect to draw sustenance from that. That's not what he's saying. He's saying a, a, a look, an intentional look, a, a beholding of, of what Jesus paid for us on the cross. And Scripture says as you behold that, as you meditate on that, as you seek to understand that, as you fix your eyes on that, you will begin to draw of everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. Amen? Man, that's powerful. You begin to draw of a life of righteousness. It says you became sin uh, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You begin to draw on prosperity. It says uh, he who was rich became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. You begin to draw on healing and a life of divine health. He says he was wounded for transgressions at the cross, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. You begin to draw on the life of blessing. He says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, Galatians 3, 13 and 14. He says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So when Jesus went to the cross, he literally extinguished the power of the enemy to cause you any harm. Man, that's powerful. When Jesus went to the cross, he literally took away the sting from death. What that means is you and I should never, ever, ever again be afraid of death. Why? Because we possess eternal life. Amen? We possess the Zoe life, the God kind of sustenance, the God kind of life, nothing missing and nothing broken. And how do you draw on that? You draw on that by keeping your mind stayed on him. So he says, look up. He didn't say look around. The instruction was never to look around at what the snakes were doing. So in the midst of a crisis, the instruction is never to look around at what's happening in your neighbor's house. When, when stuff starts to uh, uh, go on, the instruction is never to compare the wounds. He didn't say, you know, as you get beaten, just check how big your neighbor's wound is. And is yours swelling up? How much poison do you have? He said, he didn't say any of that. He says, if you get beaten, you know what you should do? You should look up to Jesus. And as you look up to Jesus, you'll find out, wait a minute, Jesus already paid for this. Jesus already drew it on the cross. Scripture says he drew all sickness. He drew everything that would torment mankind onto his body until his body did not even look like that of a human. It says that his visage in Isaiah 52 verse 14. It says that his visage, his face didn't even look like that of a human. He took on his body every pain, every tumor, every asthma, every cancer, Every, every malaria, every HIV, everything that torments mankind, he took it upon his body so that you and I could be set free from it. Man, I'm telling you, there's power to looking at what Jesus uh, paid for on the cross. And while he was there at the cross, he said these words, it is finished. In fact, he cried out and said, it is finished. And that word phrase, it is finished in the Greek, is the Greek word tetelestai, which means paid in full. So essentially what Jesus was saying was, the payment for your redemption has been made in full. Man, don't live your life as if Jesus, all Jesus made was a big deposit, and now you have to keep up with monthly installments. Don't live your life as if Jesus, uh, all he did was just kind of, you know, uh, uh, pay a little bit, and now you have to take care of the rest. No, Jesus paid it all. 
when he says tetelestai, paid in full. What did he pay for? He paid so that you and I could be set free. He paid so that you and I could, I mean, we can walk scot-free. And there's a type and shadow in the Old Testament, the children of Israel. Uh, man, go and read it in Exodus. You, you, it will literally astound you from Exodus 11 all the way to 8, all the way to 11. Uh, it talks about when the 10 plagues would come to uh, uh, Egypt and plague the people of Egypt. None of those plagues touched the children of Israel. There was a plague of, of frogs. Just across the river Nile is where the children of Israel lived. They were across on the river Nile, and the Egyptians were on the other side, just divided by just a small little tiny river uh, from, from the Egyptians. If you went to the Egyptians' land, there were all kinds of plagues causing all kinds of confusion. I mean, the plague of frogs to where there were frogs everywhere, in your bedroom, in your kitchen. I mean, there were frogs everywhere. And uh, if you crossed over and went to uh, 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 the Goshen, where the children of Israel lived, it says that there was peace and quiet, and they were having a good time. When the plague of darkness hit uh, Egypt, if you crossed over to where the children of Israel lived, it says that there was light in Goshen. Man, I'm telling you. And if you crossed over to the plague of uh, our firstborn sons dying, when you went over to uh, Egypt, none of their children died because they were covered in the blood. What happened? There was God's protection. And that protection was symbolized by the river Nile. And I'm telling you, that demarcation still exists today. That demarcation is known as Jesus. There is a difference between those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. When you are in Christ, you are in Goshen. It doesn't matter how many frogs come to plague people. It's not going to touch you. Amen? When you are in Christ, I mean, it's a, diff it's a completely different uh, uh, ballgame. When you are in Christ, uh, there may be darkness in the world, but there's going to be light in your home. When you are in Christ, there may be chaos and confusion out there, but you are going to be in a place of peace, power, and protection. That demarcation still exists today. Amen? And so Jesus said, just like Moses lifted up the serpent, Jesus was also lifted up on the cross. And whosoever believes in him, whosoever continues to look at him, whosoever lives their lives looking at Jesus, it, he is going to draw on eternal life. Amen? Quickly, uh, uh, with regards to what we're talking about, let's go to Mark chapter number 5. Let's go to Mark chapter number 5, and I'm going to read from verse 35. Some of you may remember this story of uh, Jairus, uh, the, the, the ruler of the synagogue. He went to Jesus in Mark chapter number 5. And I'm going to be reading from verse 35 in the Passions translation. Uh, but Mark chapter number 5, you know, right at the beginning, uh, uh, Jairus uh, goes up to Jesus and he says, Master, will you please come to my house uh, and lay hands on my daughter? She is grievously sick, and I'd love for you to come to my house and, uh, and pray for her. And so Jesus said to Jairus, okay, we're going to go to your house. And scripture says as they were going uh, to Jairus' house, uh, they, they, they were uh, uh, almost uh, stopped in the middle or interrupted by uh, the woman with the issue of blood. Y'all know the story. There was a woman who had an issue of blood, and she interrupted uh, uh, Jesus from going to Jairus' house. And as they were going to uh, Jairus' house, uh, she came, pressed in, and touched Jesus' garment, and she got healed. We know the story. And Jesus turned around, and he said, uh, wait a minute, who touched me? And he says, this woman came uh, to Jesus, and she said, well, I'm the one who touched you. 
And Jesus went on to say, well, your faith has made you whole. And while Jesus was saying these words, before he had finished speaking, that's what scripture says in verse 35, and before Jesus had finished speaking, uh, people arrived from Jairus' house and pushed through the crowd to give Jairus the news. There is no need to trouble the master any longer. Your daughter has died. So these people came with bad news to Jesus. They said, Master, man, you don't need to stress anymore. Uh, uh, you know, you don't need to stress Jesus anymore. Uh, your daughter is dead. But I want you to pay attention to what Jesus uh, said in verse uh, 36. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. Man, as a church, we need to come to a point to where we refuse to listen if it's not the good news. We need to come to a place where we, can, we refuse to listen if it's not in line with Scripture. Man, we can't fall for any news uh, that they put out. We have the good news. Amen? We can't fall for all kinds of uh, 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 fear, uh, uh, peddling news. No, we have to stand on the good news. And so Jesus refused to listen to what they were told and said to the Jewish official, do not yield to fear. How many of you know that sometimes listening to the so-called facts can put you in a position to where you yield to fear? Jesus said, do not yield to fear. All you need to do is to keep on believing. Also known as keep on looking at the cross. That's what we need to do. While there's chaos going on around, you may, you may actually feel the bite. But he says, don't look at the bite. Keep looking at the cross. All you have to do is to keep on believing. We know the story. Jesus ended up going to Jairus' house, and he went and he laid hands on the damsel, the little daughter. She got healed. She was raised from the dead. Praise God. And Jesus said, give her some food. And uh, it turned out that uh, uh, Jesus turned that entire story around. And that same power that raised that damsel from the dead is resident on the inside of you. So I'm just saying this morning, I want to encourage you uh, to turn your attention from everything else that's going on around you. I want to encourage you to start looking at Jesus. I want to encourage you to start looking up. I want to encourage you uh, to, to, to focus on him and him alone. And I'm telling you, as you do that, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. There is a peace uh, that's supernatural that's just going to come over your household, an envelope your household. It's going to come into your heart and just uh, bring a steadfastness into your heart to where you're not going to live your life uh, in panic and in fear. Man, I'm telling you, we're going to be, we're going to be sitting around laughing at, at each other, particularly those who have responded in fear. Man, man, it's going to be a big party just two months from now. We're going to be laughing so hard that, man, did you realize how you responded? And, and, and we, I must say we have a responsibility right now to leave a legacy to our children. Uh, someone put, I think it was Pastor Chipo, she put it out on her Facebook that, man, the way we respond to crisis is going to be a legacy of how our children are going to respond uh, to crisis in the future. And, and I want to encourage you to leave a, a legacy of courage, a legacy of hope, a legacy of, of trusting in the Lord uh, uh, with all of, of, of our hearts, uh, a legacy of not leaning on our own understanding, uh, a legacy of depending on God in everything, knowing that God is our security. And in closing, we're just going to read quickly uh, Psalm 91. I just want to remind you uh, of the promise that we, we get from Psalm 91. 
uh, a promise of protection uh, from Psalm 91. And, and, and this particular psalm is, is very powerful. It's interesting because it's one of the few psalms that have uh, uh, the four uh, major characters uh, that make life exciting or that makes life worth living. Right at the top, you're going to see the Holy Spirit speaking. You're going to see the believer speaking. You're going to see Jesus uh, uh, as the high priest speaking. And you're going to see uh, Father God cap it off right at the end of this uh, particular chapter. So right in the beginning, the first verse, the Holy Spirit kicks off and he says these words, uh, which is almost an instruction. He says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God. Again, he didn't say he who visited. Remember, we're talking about not just glancing at the cross. You have to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith. You live your life looking up. Amen? You just don't glance. You know, you just don't kind of peep when you're in trouble. No, this is a way of life. We live our lives looking up. And here, he says, he who dwells. He, he, he who uh, lives in that place. He who has made uh, the place of the Most High God, their dwelling place, their uh, place of residence. You know what? For every believer, if we were to be asked for a spiritual proof of residence, <laughs> if, if someone came to you and said, man, what's your, what's your proof of residence? It should be the secret place of the Most High God. And I'm not talking about an expired proof of residence to where, you know, ah, the secret place of the Most High God used to be uh, when I got born again 10 years ago. No, I'm talking about one that's fresh, one that's at least three hours old. <laughs> Amen. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is the instruction that the Holy Spirit uh, gives. And now the question, ladies and gentlemen, that some of you may have is, so how do I dwell in this secret place of the Most High God? And we've been talking about some of these things. You draw your sustenance from God. You put your trust and your confidence uh, in God. And uh, verse 2 also uh, gives us another glimpse at what we can do to uh, make the secret place of the Most High God our dwelling place. You speak and release the promises of God through your mouth. You never speak doubt. You always speak the promises of God and you let the promises of God uh, come out of your mouth. Now, this is the believer coming. Verse 2, if you have a proper, you know, real manual Bible, you can write these things down. You can put a little uh, parenthesis, brackets on verse 1 and put the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit speaking. And verse 2, you can put brackets and put the believer. This is now your part. This is the part that you get to play in this promise. I will say of the Lord. Man, you have to say something. Scripture says in uh, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. For they that have mastered how to use their tongues to their advantage. They that know how to voice activate the promises of God will begin to say these things. It says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. Notice what he is saying of the Lord. He didn't say, I will say of the Lord, he is the one that's causing all this chaos and commotion to try and get my attention. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say, I will say of the Lord, uh, he's the one that sends sickness to try and teach you a lesson. God doesn't do any of those things. He says, I will say of the Lord, God is my refuge, my place of hiding, my fortress, my God in 
him I will trust. You say these words and you believe them. Amen. I said amen. amen. May you believe them. You say them and you believe them. Scripture says others put their trust in horses and chariots. You know, these are the people on the other side of the river Nile. They choose to put their trust in horses and chariots and systems of the world and so on and so forth. He says, we will put our trust in the name of the Lord. Why? Because the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. And watch this. They are safe. You and I have run into the name of the Lord Jesus and we are safe. Someone shout, I'm safe. <laughs> Amen. We are safe. Amen. He says, after you've said this, watch what happens in verse 3. Now, this is the Jesus as the, 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 the high priest, the administrator of the new covenant that you and I are a part of, a, 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 a better covenant established on better promises. Jesus begins to speak in verse 3. And he says, the Holy Spirit has given you the instruction. You have used your mouth to uh, uh, speak it out and spell it out. Now watch what Jesus says. He says this is the net effect of everything that's just taken place in the first two verses. Surely. He doesn't say sometimes. He doesn't say maybe. He doesn't say there's a good chance. He says surely. Someone say surely. surely. It's a sure thing. He says surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. You know the trap for birds. He's just using that metaphorically. He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be your shield, you know, a full-size human shield, and your buckler, you know, a, 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 a small tactical shield that you wear on your hands. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. So you are covered. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day. You should never be afraid. Never, ever, ever entertain fear. How many of you know that fear tolerated is faith contaminated? Never, ever, ever tolerate fear. Fear tolerated is faith contaminated. God doesn't give us the spirit of fear. Amen. He gives us the spirit of love, knowing how much we are loved, of power, reversing the curses of the world, and a sound mind to where you can go to sleep at night peacefully in the midst of a storm. Praise God. He says uh, in verse 6, Nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. Let me just read that one in the, in the Amplified. Watch what it says in verse 6. This is awesome. <laughs> In the Amplified, it says, you shall not be afraid of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and lay waste at noonday. There is nothing as sudden death amongst the children of God. And you're going to see why as we read further in this scripture. Man, we have a promise to enjoy life and to live long and strong. Praise God. It says in uh, uh, verse 7, a thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Again, is making reference to what happened in uh, Egypt. There was a difference between what happened in Egypt and what happened in the uh, Israelites' camp in, in Goshen. While the firstborns died in Egypt, and everybody was wailing and crying, and it was just chaos in Egypt, Scripture says, in the land where the children of Israel lived, it was so peaceful, not even a single dog 
barked to disturb their sleep at night. Has a big difference. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying a thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand side, but it shall not come near you. Verse 7. Only with thine eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Let me read verse, uh, verse 8 in the Amplified. I also, I also want you to see this. He says, only ex- a spectator shall you. Man, we are only going to be spectators in the midst of this thing that's making everyone panic and fearful. He says, only a spectator shall you be. You yourself in access, inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High God as you witness the reward of the wicked. And he says, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, not thy visitation, habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shall you tremble under the feet. And then God comes in now, verse 14. So if you are doing what I told you to do, you know, just putting brackets and writing who's speaking now, verse 14 is God the Father. He is now speaking and responding to all of these things that we have just read. And this is what God the Father says. He says, because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble and I will deliver him and honor him. It's one thing for God to be with you in trouble, but it's another awesome thing for him to be with you in trouble and deliver you. And not only that, and uh, deliver you and honor honor you. If you're reading in the original uh, King James Bible, it says that he shall call upon me, I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble, I will deliver him, and I will set him on high. How many of you know that promotion is coming? You know, I know the, 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 the economies of the world are going to be bleeding after this thing, but I'm telling you, for God's children, promotion is coming. Amen? Increase is coming. Man, we are moving from one level of glory to another. God is about to elevate us. This is a promise from God's word. Just because God says you have set your affection upon him, you've, 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 you've said this word, he is my Lord, my God, in him will I trust. You have, you have voice activated the promises of God. And some of you may not know how to. Uh, uh, please send an email to uh, admin at faithchurch.co.za and they'll be able to send you uh, confessions around Psalm 91, confessions around life and, and, and voice activating the promises of God into your life. Man, these things we have recorded and we've put them out uh, to you for free. And so you can literally send an email and they'll send you an audio uh, copy of confessions, some of them four minutes, some of them five minutes, that you can literally go through as you drive to work and begin to speak these things. That God is going to promote me. That God is going to protect me. A thousand will fall at my side. Ten thousand. Your voice activating the promises of God over your life. And these things are are available for all of us for free. And God caps it off by saying this in verse 16. And with long life. Someone say long life. Man, I have a congregation here. (laughs) It says with long life. So some of you have been afraid that this little bug is going to kill you. (laughs) It's not. 
Amen? I said amen. amen. Why? Because we have a promise from God's word. Amen? Now, even if we didn't have a promise from God's word, dying is not that bad. You know why? Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Man, heaven is much more fun than this. Amen? So we shouldn't even be worried about that. But you and I happen to have a promise in God's word that says, with long life, with long life, I will satisfy him. Someone once asked me, he said, yo, Pastor T, how long does the Bible say uh, we can live? What, what's the promise we get from God's word? Is it 70 years? Is it 120 years? And I said, no, the promise is long life until you're satisfied. So if you get satisfied at uh, 70, well, good for you. If you get satisfied at 90, praise the Lord, good for you. If you get satisfied at 120, praise the Lord, uh, good for you. God has a promise for you and I to live long enough until we're satisfied. In fact, I saw an advert, I think it was Discovery, that put out this advert. They said that the person who's going to live uh, to the age of 200 has already been born. Any of you saw, seen that advert? They were selling uh, life insurance and so on and so forth. And these are, I'd like to believe, some of them are unbelievers, these people that calculate and do all kinds of these things. And they were saying at Discovery, you know, selling insurance, that the person who's going to live to 200 has already been born. And I believe that that person is going to be a child of God who just doesn't get satisfied uh, 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 quickly enough, who's, who's going to keep postponing <laughs> their checkout time. Amen? And these things are real and they are valuable for all of us. This is a promise that we see from God's word. It says, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Man, I'm telling you, God is on our side. If God be for us, who can be against us? We are safe, sound, and secure. And, and, and I'm telling you, there's no need to worry. There's no need to fear. God is with us. Amen? Well, we love you guys. All of you who've joined the, 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 the broadcast uh, in the several different homes that you joined in. Uh, we just want to pray for you before we go. We have uh, people who have just walked in here uh, who may not know what's going on. Uh, some of you may have heard uh, the government directive not to have more than 100 people, I believe, in one place because of uh, this thing. And we saw it happen in our churches, in our uh, uh, campuses, uh, some of us to have more than 100 people. But even in the campuses that we don't have 100 people, we just didn't know what the expectation was from the health uh, department and the government uh, perspective for us having meetings. But uh, as we grow into these things, we're going to learn and uh, we're going to figure out a way to gather again and to be back together as family. Uh, as we do that, please be praying. Join a live group. Uh, if you're not in a live group, fellowship with others. I believe this is just a blip uh, along the way. Uh, there's a, 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 a revival that's coming in the future. Amen. And uh, we are getting ready to uh, witness that. We just want to pray for you guys. Uh, as for now, I just, I just want to encourage you to spend more time learning about Jesus and learning about God and having an intimate fellowship with God. Scripture says in Daniel 11:32, the people that know their God intimately, those people shall be strong and they shall do great exploits. Amen? And so we just want to encourage all of you in the different campuses, different locations where you're watching from, to spend this time having an intimate, uh, uh, those of you who are in Bible school, this is a great time to study the Word. This is a great time to 
get into the word. It's a great time to uh, uh, study some of the modules you've already done. Uh, those of you who are not in Bible school, it's, it's a great time to visit faithhillchurch.co.za. You can download some sermons there uh, to listen to. Man, there's just so much you can do in this season. Amen. And uh, we just want to uh, pray for you. Uh, those of you that need prayer, your life group leaders will be able to give you more prayer. They'll be able to lay hands on you if you're not feeling well. And uh, your life group leaders are also going to facilitate for you to give. If you would like to give, there are three different ways to give. You're going to give through uh, EFT and uh, I think uh, SnapScan. And you'll also be able to give through uh, cash, I believe. Amen. But we want to pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you. Uh, for these, your precious sheep. Lord, we just thank you that they're protected. We thank you that they have uh, the perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. Uh, in this moment, Lord, we also just want to pray for every business owner uh, that's at Faith Hill Church. Lord, we, we just thank you that their businesses are protected. We thank you that, Father, you are delivering every business. You are setting them on high. You're bringing a promotion. Lord, we thank you for every family that's Faith Hill Church and everyone that's connected to them by blood and by friendship, we just release the protection of Psalm 91. We thank you that they are all the way on the other side of the river Nile, where there is light, where there is peace, where there is protection, where there is healing. While the plagues are tormenting the world, Lord, we just thank you that we are safe, sound, and secure. And Lord, we just thank you and we take authority over this spirit uh, of fear. That's what it is, the spirit of anxiety that's literally coming and uh, uh, flooding our communities. We push back and say, go back to where you came from. Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear. He has given us the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. Lord, we just thank you, and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And someone said, amen. amen. Well, we love you guys. God bless you. And don't, don't forget, uh, Thursday night, live groups are still on. If you want to be plugged into a live group, please be sure to reach our church office, admin at faithillchurch.co.za, and they'll, they'll be able to plug you in. But we love you. God bless you. Remember these words, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Bye-bye. Bless you. Praise the Lord. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who